0: Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank podcast. We love God, love people, and love our city. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us again here, Church Online. We are excited to let you know that on the 28th of March, we will be reopening again for in-person services. We will continue with Church Online because we know that there are those who will not be able to come in in person for good reasons. So we are grateful to the Lord that we will be able to gather again. We will be doing this leading up to uh, Good Friday services, which will be two services uh, on a Friday, and then also we'll be having our Easter Sunday services. I would like to take this time to thank you all for your generosity, for giving even under such tough and difficult circumstances. We are grateful to the Lord for seeing His supernatural provision. Even though the finances of the church has dropped slightly, we continue to see... God's hand of provision. May I remind you that this church, Every Nation Rosebank, the Lord gave us a word that we will be like the church in Antioch, which was known as a fasting and praying church. It was known as a church that was passionate about the lost, that was passionate about the gospel. It was also known as... As a generous church We are a generous church And I want to share a few testimonies with you About your generosity And about the generosity of this church How we continue to give Even in the midst of tough economic uh, circumstances You will all remember that last year We had the crisis relief team uh, serving the poor in our community And serving people also in the church uh, With foodstuffs But also helping uh, those who uh, Found themselves under tremendous and challenging circumstances. We were able to raise just over a million within a period of uh, eight months. And that is your generosity. Just over 700,000 came uh, from you from South Africa. And uh, uh, the difference came from uh, every nation global. We are grateful that we can be a blessing and we continue to be a blessing and help uh, those who are in need. Also recently, we uh, started the Ayanda Fund in response to the passing away of our sister Ayanda, where we are helping those who have lost breadwinners during this time of COVID. So far, we are focusing on the Mbuyisa family, making sure that we can be able to help them uh, to navigate through this uh, tough season. If you would still like to give to what's this Ayanda Fund, please uh, contact Kath Land. Her email will be on the screen. And finally, something I'm so, so excited about is uh, uh, we have been able to raise funds uh, to buy 200 books for students in rural areas who have passed matric with exemption who will be going to university this year. The name of the book is The Road to Varsity, The Road to University. It is written by one of our members, Simon Mtsuki, sharing his story of coming back from Emalaleni in Witbank and coming to the big city, Johannesburg, and being a student at Virts University and things to look out for particularly uh, as a young man, as a young woman going into a different world. So we are grateful. You'll see the pictures on the screen of those that we've been able to bless with this book, to help them as they adjust into this new life, university life. As the church, we are called to honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. We start by transforming our cities, our towns, and our villages, and this is what we do. Thank you again for your generosity. We started this series about four weeks ago. Based on the book of Philippians, we call it the year of yes. The year of yes. Saying yes to Jesus. Saying yes to God. Even in the midst of a crazy world that we are living in, we want to say to you, you can still have joy despite what you are facing. You can still have joy by the power of Jesus Christ. As we say yes to the life Jesus has called us to, we will be surprised by the joy in every season and every turn. My topic today is living a gospel-centered life or living a gospel-saturated life. We want to live a gospel-centered life. We want to live a gospel-saturated life. We want to live lives that are pleasing to God, but also that are advancing the kingdom of God. The question I will endeavor to answer today for us is this. How do we live gospel-centered lives In such a crazy world? How do we live gospel centered lives? How do we live gospel saturated lives in such a crazy world? Our text is from Philippians chapter 2. We'll be reading from verse 5 to verse 18. So please join with me as I read this text for us today and let us hear what the Lord has for us. Apostle Paul writes Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue confess, in heaven and on earth, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Verse 12 Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Even if I'm to be poured out like a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Likewise, you should be glad and rejoice with me. May the Lord bless the reading of His word. So friends, from this text, there's uh, three things I would like us to look at about living a gospel centered life. A person who lives a gospel centered life is a person who is gospel minded, number one, is a person who is gospel driven or gospel motivated, and also is a person who is gospel shining, a person who shines the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's look at what does it mean to be gospel-minded. We start in verse 5 where it says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Have this mind amongst yourself, which was in Christ Jesus. That's the ESV. In the New King James Version, it goes like this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. The same mind that was in Jesus Christ must also be in us. In the NLT, it goes like this. You must have the same attitude that Christ had. You must have the same attitude that Christ had. The mind of Christ is ours by virtue of salvation and being united with Jesus Christ we get the mind of Christ we get to be like Christ by virtue of our salvation and being united to Christ I like the NLT where it says that Mm -hmm. this attitude that was in Christ must also be in you it must be in you, it must be in us and the question is what is this mindset, what is this attitude that Christ had that we should have and I want us to look at this following verses from verse five, verse six, all the way to verse 10, how Christ conducted himself, how Christ carried himself. And out of that, we get to learn this is how we can be gospel centered. This is how we can be gospel minded. So the attitude that Jesus had was Jesus did not boast about his identity. We read in verse six, the Bible says, though he was God, he was God he did not count equality with God as something to be grasped as something to hold on to as something to flaunt around Jesus though he was the son of God though he was part of the triune God though he was God himself he did not hold on to his identity boasting about it and flaunting it around instead he called himself the Son of Man, reminding us that he's the Son of Man, not only the Son of God. Jesus was 100% human and 100% God. We read here in John 1 verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning, right from the beginning, pre-incarnation, before Jesus' second coming, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Jesus was there right there in the beginning. So pre-incarnation, the triune God operated one together right there at creation. We read in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to 3, the Bible says, In the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit was right there and there, hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, God spoke. When He spoke, Jesus came out of His mouth. Jesus went and created. Let there be light. And that light, that is Jesus Christ, created everything that we see today. So what is incarnation, you may ask? Incarnation is the embodiment of, of divinity in human form, the embodiment of divinity, divine nature in human form. It is when deity becomes flesh, when Jesus stooped down, when he gave up the privileges of being the son of God and he came down to us, to pursue us, to bring us back and to reconcile us with God. From the moment of Mary's virginal conception of Jesus, his divine nature became united with his human nature. Jesus' divine nature became united with his human nature. Jesus was 100% human, 100% God. There are three reasons for incarnation. While we endeavor to live a gospel-centered life, a gospel-minded life, we understand that Jesus had this attitude of coming down, of not flaunting his identity. Why did He do that? The three reasons. It was revelation, redemption, and role modeling. Jesus came to reveal the Father to us. He came to show us the Father. We read in uh, John 1.18, No one has seen the Father, but the one who sits on the Father's side has made Him known. The one who sits on the Father's side has made Him known. We read again in John 10.30, I and the Father are one. I and the Father are like this. We are on the same WhatsApp group. Jesus came to redeem us from our sins, to take us away from the slavery and the devastation that sin has brought over our lives. We read in Luke 19 verse 10, the Bible says, The Son of God, the Son of Man, He came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came to save us. He stooped down. He left heavenlies to come and save us. And thirdly, He came to model to us how we should live Gospel-centered lives. How we should live lives that are pleasing to God. We read in 1 John 2 verse 6, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Whoever says he They abide in Christ. They live in Christ. They ought to walk. We ought to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, as Pastor Lerico shared with us last week. We need to live lives that are pleasing to God, worthy of the gospel, worthy of the life that we proclaim. I want to speak to you about the importance of uh, our words reflecting the gospel. Because of how Jesus lived, our conduct reflecting the gospel because of how Jesus lived. And also our character, how we treat other people, whether it's your colleague, whether it's those that are reporting to you, how we treat others speaks a lot about how we reflect the gospel of Jesus Christ. How is your walk with Christ today? How is your character? How is your conduct? How does your life reflect the gospel of Jesus Christ. As children of God, may we not boast about our identity. As great as it is that we are children of God, may we not boast about our identity. May we not boast about the things of this world. May we not boast about the things that will vanish when we die. There are three reasons for this incarnation. Why Jesus Christ came down on earth why he stooped down and he took the place of a servant and he took our place to be able to do three things, to to bring revelation, to bring redemption, and to also role model, to model for us how it's like to live like sons of God. Revelation means that Jesus Christ came to show us the Father. He came to reveal the Father. We read in uh, John chapter 1, verse 18, No one has seen the Father, but the one who sits on the Father's side has made Him known to us. The one who sits on the Father's side has made Him known to us. John 10, verse 30, the Bible says, I and the Father are one. I and the Father are like this. We are on the same WhatsApp group. When you've seen Jesus, you have seen the Father. And also He came for redemption. He came to redeem us from sin. He came to take us away from the life of sin, from the devastation of sin. We read in Luke 19:10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came to seek and save us from the life of sin. He also came to model to us how we ought to live lives that are pleasing to God. We read in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. If we say we abide in Christ, if we say we are Christians, if we say we are children of God, we ought to walk in a manner that is in line with Jesus, how he has walked. The same way as Pastor Lireko shared with us last week about living lives that are worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How is your life today? How is your character? How is your conduct? How is your speech towards those that you work with? How is your life pleasing to God and reflecting the gospel of Jesus Christ? Ask yourself this question. Like Jesus, as children of God, may we not boast about our identity? May we not boast about the things of this world? May we boast about the Lord? It is in 1 Corinthians one thirty-one. the Bible says, Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Jesus himself emptied himself of his privilege. That's the second thing we see. How to be gospel minded. Jesus, what did he do? The first thing, he did not boast about his identity. He emptied himself of his privilege and status. We read in verse 7, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. He stooped down to be born in the likeness of man. In the NLT, it says, instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a servant. He took the humble position of a Slave, He took a position of a slave and was born as human being when he appeared in a human form. Being gospel-minded means we empty ourselves, uh, giving up our privileges and status to become servants in order to reach those who do not know the Lord. When I think about people that are serving in this church, I'm always blown away from uh, people who are teachers, uh, nurses, uh, principals of schools, who are professors at university, those who are uh, doctors, specialists, those who are uh, uh, corporate executives, CEOs of companies, um, CFOs, all those kinds of people, when they come into the church, they They put away their titles and they come in to serve, whether it's serving as an usher, whether it's serving on the financial advisory board, whether it's serving in pre-marriage ministry, whether it's serving in the prophetic team, the ministry team, different places where we serve, whether it's serving at kids' church, whether it's serving at youth, we come as servants. We put away our titles and we come to serve. We give up our privilege, our status for the sake of serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In Philippians 2, verse 2 to 4, it says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Very challenging words there. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Being gospel-minded means we consider ourselves as servants of the King. We hold Our titles lightly, we hold our positions lightly, but we take our functions seriously. Being gospel-minded means we deny of ourselves of the privileges of this world. I like how John Stott puts it. He says: self-denial is not denying ourselves of the luxuries like chocolates, cakes, cigarettes, and cocktails, although it may include us, especially cigarettes and cocktails. It is actually denying or disowning ourselves, renouncing our supposed right to go our own way, denying our supposed right to go our own way. We give up our own way for the sake of Christ the King. Jesus humbled himself. Not only did Jesus not boast about his identity. Not only did he empty himself of uh, his privileges, but he humbled himself. The Bible says he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death on the cross. And what did this do? What did this do for Jesus? Jesus was willing to die for us. Jesus was willing to be humiliated. He humbled himself because he knew that the Bible says, God opposes the proud, but give grace to the humble. God, God, opposes the proud, but he exalts those who are humble. Look at verse 9 to 11. Therefore, after what Jesus had done, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Under the earth, those who live under the earth. And every time confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. Christ's humiliation was a platform for his exaltation. Christ humiliation was a platform for God to glorify him, to exalt him. Your suffering is your platform for your success. Your pain is a platform for your progress. Your pain is a platform for your prosperity because God sees your heart. If we wanna live gospel-minded lives, we need to have the same attitude that Christ had. He did not boast about his identity. He emptied himself of his privileges and status. He also humbled himself and God exalted him. You know, the message of the gospel is simple. Jesus Christ came to die for us and he resurrected on the third day and went to be with the Father. He came to save us from the life of sin and death. And in simple terms, we say, Jesus is Lord. We speak about his authority. We speak about his lordship. As the Bible says, every every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. To the glory of the Father, the gospel message is this. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. If we are to be gospel-minded like Jesus, we need to remember what Jesus modeled for us. Second thing I want us to look at is uh, being gospel driven. And we're going to read from um, verse 12 to 13. Therefore my beloved as you have always obeyed so now not only as in my presence but much more in my absence work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It is God who is at work in us both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God is at work in us. I like the scripture because it says we need to work out our salvation. We need to live lives that are worthy of the salvation, that are worthy of this gospel, but we don't do it with our own strength. It is God who is at work in us, both to will in our desires, in our choices. God empowers us and to work in our actions, in our deeds. God empowers us to live lives that are worthy of this calling. So it may look like it is impossible to live a Christian life, but the Holy Spirit, the Parakletos who comes alongside us to help us, He's there to help us along this life of living a Christian life. May we live lives that are worthy of this gospel. Last week, I had a rough week because of a number of things that I was handling. And I remember on Thursday, I was sitting down having coffee uh, with a good friend of mine, Julius, who leads Every Nation in Bramfontein. And while we were having coffee, I felt a nudge from the Holy Spirit that the lady who was saving us, she was ready for the gospel. She just looked ready for the gospel. And uh, I just took the opportunity being gospel-driven as I am, endeavoring to live a gospel-driven life. And I took a savior and I started drawing what we call the bridge diagram. And uh, I just started to show her how we are removed from God because of sin. And Jesus is that bridge for us that through the cross, we can be reconciled to God. And after sharing that with her, I gave her the opportunity to give her life to the Lord. She gave her life to the Lord right there and there. And we prayed for her. We led her to the Lord. After we'd prayed for her, Julius tells me that they've been coming to that uh, coffee shop for for many months now, many years now, and they've noticed the lady. They've prayed over her. They've just uh, loved on her and prophesied over her. I just happened to reap what other people had sown and what other people had been watering. So the gospel is always ready to transform lives. We just need to open up our eyes to see that God is at work. And the harvest is plentiful. A gospel-centered person is a gospel-minded person, a gospel-driven person, and a gospel-shining person. I want to speak about a gospel-shining person. A gospel-shining person, as we read uh, here in uh, verse 14 to 16, do all things without grumbling or disputing. When you serve the Lord, when you live a gospel centered lives, you give everything for God. You do everything for God without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent. Children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. In the midst of a crooked, corrupt, twisted generation will shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of God holding fast to the word of life. I like the words of Apostle Paul. He says, So that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. We don't want to come to the end of life and to the end of days. And we find that some of you have lost their faith. Some of you have moved away from this gospel that we are so passionate about. May we shine as lights among this crooked and corrupt generation, among this crazy world that we're living in. May I remind you in Matthew 5.14, the Bible says, you are the light of the world. You and I, we are the light of the world, like the city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. When we live gospel-centered lives, we will be that city on a hill that cannot be hidden. We will not be hidden. We will be seen because we are shining. We are living a life that's different from others. When we walk into environments, environments will change because of what we carry, the presence and the glory of God. The way we shine our light is by saying no to corruption. Saying no to sex outside marriage. Saying no to the pleasures of this world. And if you may be living with your girlfriend, it is time to actually get married. Go through pre-marriage counseling and do it the right way. That is how we shine the light of Jesus Christ. We say yes to God. We say yes to saving the least of those, the poor, the ones that are in need. We say yes to kingdom advancement that is living a gospel-centered lives. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, it says, And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who tend many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Those who tend many to righteousness, those who live gospel-centered lives, those who are sharing the good news of Jesus Christ will shine like the stars forever and ever. I did not say they will shine uh, bright like diamonds. I'm just saying they will shine like the stars forever and ever. That is why in this church, we are passionate about honoring God, making disciples and transforming nations. So at the heart of being gospel-centered, it means living in a way that pleases Christ Christ. Living in a way that glorifies Christ in our speech, our conduct, in the way that we treat others. Gospel-centered living means you move out of the center and make Christ the center of your life. That is also being Christ-centered. I was reading a story of the Moravian revival and how this revival really started by prayer and how they dedicated themselves to prayer and prioritized prayer. And they speak about how these guys were so passionate about God that it led them to be passionate about the gospel and about the lost. There were two Moravian brothers who were so eager to go to the West Indies islands to share and preach the gospel. And they were told that you cannot go there unless you're given permission to do some work there. And they were so eager and keen to go and preach the gospel that they found any loophole to be able to go and preach the gospel. These guys were John Doper and David Nitzman. In 1732, they sold themselves as slaves to go and preach the gospel. Because they were not allowed to go unless they were called by some company to go and work there. I remember these words very well that are written uh, as they were leaving Copenhagen to go and uh, share the gospel. They said these words, May the lamb that was slain receive the rewards of his suffering. May the lamb that was slain receive the rewards of his humiliation. They knew that Christ died for them. Christ suffered for all of us. So all that we can do as worship back to Him is to live gospel-centered lives. They sold themselves as slaves and they went back. They went to preach the gospel in the West Indies Islands. They started in St. Thomas and they started going in other places like Barbados, Antigua and Jamaica. A revival began because of people who understood what it means to live gospel-centered lives. Let this be our rallying cry. May he receive the reward of his suffering. Is your life centered around giving him the reward of his suffering? Being gospel-centered means we are gospel, we are gospel-minded, we are gospel-driven, and we shine for Jesus. We honor God, we make disciples, and we transform nations. Lord Jesus, I pray, that God, we will be convicted by this word today. I pray that we will uh, put a mirror on ourselves and ask ourselves, how are we reflecting you in our words, in our conduct, and in the way that we treat others? That even before we come and share the gospel, the good news with them, that our lives will already shine before them, that they will even come and ask us, what is so different about you? Why are you always joyful even in the midst of a pandemic? Why are you always rejoicing and happy? Why are you always putting up a smile even when things are tough? Lord, I pray that we will have a conviction of the power of the gospel to transform lives, to realize that the gospel is the only solution to the ills of society. The gospel is the only thing that can transform lives. Lord, I pray that we will be careful not to live just for the pleasures of this world, but to prioritize our relationship with you. I pray, Lord, for those who do not know you, that they will come to know you and live gospel-centered lives. In Jesus Christ's name, Amen.